Attention timeshare owners. This is an urgent consumer alert from the Timeshare Exit Hotline, a national company specializing in helping consumers legally get out of their expensive timeshare contract. Our experienced partners are offering you a way to legally get rid of your timeshare. You'll never pay another timeshare maintenance bill again, and all your obligations will be terminated. You can begin saving today. Even if you've tried another company to get rid of your timeshare, call and see if we can help you. At the Timeshare Exit Hotline, we only accept payment after an agreement has been made to get you out of your timeshare. Make this complimentary free call and learn how our honest partners can help anyone, anywhere legally get out of their timeshare nightmare. 800-715-6093-800-715-6093-800-715-6093. That's 800-715-6093. This portion of TV Confidential is sponsored by Uber. Enter the promo code TV Confidential, all one word, when you download the app at get.uber.com slash go slash TV Confidential, and you'll receive a free first ride up to $20. Hi, this is John Barber, and you're listening to TV Confidential. The Barber's with a reminder that film and TV actor Basil Hoffman we hope to stay tuned for that. In the meantime, Tony Figueroa and Donna Allen are with us as we take a look at this week in TV history. Tony's segment, as always, brought to us by our friends at Story Salon, Southern California's longest-running, regularly performing live storytelling ensemble. During this time of national lockdown, you can see three-minute videos of the Story Salon storytellers every week at facebook.com forward slash Story Salon. This segment originally aired in July 2015. So let's go to July 6, 1925. Mervyn Merv Edward Griffin Jr. was born. Ooh. Which kind of goes back, as I remember when he broadcast from the Hollywood Palace. A couple of weeks ago on Greg Airbar's segment, we did a bit on the... MPI recently released a... It's, it's, it's not a complete series, but it's a seven-hour comp- compilation of some of the best of the Merv Griffin shows hmm. during the 24-year history of the show. And one of the things that e- that is easily overlooked about Merv is his show was not just a celebrity chat fest. He would have newsmakers of all walks yes. of life. And, and, and Greg makes this point when he talks about the DVD box set is it's worth sampling if only from as, as a historical piece just to you know some, some of the newsmakers that he talked to um, you know such as uh, you know Ronald Reagan or uh, Robert Kennedy or Rosa Parks or uh, Timothy Leary or, 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 or Gloria Steinem mm-hmm. uh, John Glenn Harry Belafonte I mean it just it, and what Merv would often do is he would have guests from different fields on the same couch. Uh-huh. I mean, today, we've talked about this before. Today, the, the network talk show is very structured. The guest comes out halfway through, does maybe one six-minute segment, mm-hmm. And the segment is pretty much preconditioned. They right. have one or two. I mean, they, you know, they've 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 gone over whatever the talking points are, 
And they've been given the questions. They've been given the questions. Uh, they know what anecdote they're going to tell and everything. Okay, make sure we show the clip. Yeah, tie it into whatever project is being promoted, which is the reason they're there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then, and then they're done. Back in Merv's era, which is also coincides with Johnny's era. Yeah. Uh, and this is partly because both shows were, you know, I think, I think both Merv and Johnny were 90-minute shows at one point. And so it's a little longer form. You had that leeway. You had a little mm-hmm. more leeway. A guest would, like Betty Davis would come on, and after you know, 10, 15 minutes of talking to Merv, she would stay for whoever the next mm-hmm. guest was. Yes. And the next guest would have their spotlight. But then at one point, Merv would invite Betty Davis to chime in, or Betty Davis would chime in anyway, and yes. Merv would just let it go. Uh, Greg brought up the example of Tallulah Bankhead, was on the same show with Willie Mays. And you would first, I mean, Donna kind of shot me a quizzical look, which is exactly what kind of Merv had in mind. Why would you have Merv, why would you have Tallulah Bankhead with Willie Mays? What can these people have in common? Merv knew that Tallulah Bankhead was a great baseball fan. Mm -hmm. And so at one point, Tallulah Bankhead starts interviewing Willie Mays. And it kind of morphs from just talking about baseball to talking about other things. This being the '60s, you know, there'd be civil rights, civil rights, racial race relations, you know, uh, stuff that Mays would have encountered um, in the minor leagues you know, in some in some of the towns that um, you know, he played in the minor leagues in. So, and it made for good conversation and good television. And it's not the kind of stuff you would see on Johnny. I mean, Johnny was... Johnny was more like, you know, um, wind down, tuck yourself in at the end of the day kind of television. Light entertainment, where Merv, to me, was always a little more serious, and you might learn something. Well, you keep in mind, when Merv was on CBS, he and Johnny were a little bit more, you know, at the same time slot. Yeah. And, you know, there was a period where you had Merv on CBS, Johnny on NBC, and Dick Cabot on ABC. And they would pretty much be following the same pattern. And you had producers, and when the, when the shows were live, you had producers who were watching what was on the other show. But there was that historic moment, when uh, historic night, when Jerry Lewis managed to hit all three shows <laughs> without the other two knowing. And so depending on what you had it. But that was that which was rather good, unique. Which was good so for Jerry Lewis, I don't think, but not good for the other two. Yeah, shows. I don't think uh Johnny was live. I'm not sure if Merv was live, but they were all out of New York at that time. Johnny might have been livid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know, they all had the same the desk and you know, all the same setup. But yeah. you know, I think the Merv that we remember better was the first run syndication Merv. Yeah. The Hollywood Palace Merv. Uh, that one, which depending on your market, it could be a nine o'clock show. Um, my grandparents saw it, you know, like right before the evening news. It was on even uh, earlier. Uh, so you had, you know, I'm sure there were limitations having a variety of time slots depending on the syndication. So content might have been monitored differently, but it wasn't the go to bed. No, type it show. was. It was in San Francisco. Uh, the local NBC affiliate at the time, KRON, aired Merv, I think, like 4, four, four or 4.30 in the afternoon. Little Okay, so middle of the day, mm-hmm. 
time of day where you might be more inclined to, you know, hear um, or, or, or watch Merv talk to a world leader. Mm-hmm. Or if the conversation morphed into current affairs, you might be you, you might be more inclined to watch that, you know, vers- versus at the end of the day, as we said before, you're you just want to wind down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I think was the mission statement of the Tonight Show that Pat Weaver put. Yeah. They don't always have, especially during the Jack Parr years, and and Johnny sometimes would ask that. I wouldn't call it a gotcha question. But uh, I think Johnny did have uh, a certain uh, zero tolerance on anything that would be under the category of BS. So if a politician was saying something, Johnny would politely, you know, Midwestern charm, call him out in a very respectful way as opposed to Jack Parr. Uh, But Merv, I think you're right. In the afternoon, you can kind of engage in those topics a little bit more. Uh, so, and it's different if you have somebody who's in office as opposed to somebody running for office yeah. because they're doing a commercial for themselves. But uh, you, but, but again, go back to what we said before. I mean, Mur- Murph would have yes, he'd have TV stars, he'd have movie stars, but he'd also have politicians. He'd have people like Maya Angelou, mm-hmm. uh, Andy Warhol. Uh, you know, he'd have people from the arts. He'd have people from all walks of life. Well, he also had a sidekick, Arthur Treacher. Who uh, did not live till the end of the, right. the show? And was and this he, the same Arthur Treacher who had a fish and chips? Yes, fr- okay. that was his franchise. He lent his name to the franchise. <laughs> uh, actually, if you uh, this I found on YouTube, uh, it's a wonderful moment. Young Richie Pryor with Jerry Lewis. Yes, Ooh. that's yes. because Richard you, Pryor you, is you in the. You posted this on your yeah. blog, and Richard Pryor uh, was early on, and he was just doing a lot of zany stuff with. Cigarette, you know, at the desk. With Richie Pryor is Richie Merv Pryor, <laughs> and, um, and that's what George Carlin called him too. Uh, yeah. So at the desk, and it's just this funny segment, and it's not necessarily the Richard Pryor that you and I uh, would have the comedy albums of. This right. was a little bit younger when he's taking a little bit more from Bill Cosby, but just his ability to do a lot of the more screwball, zany stuff that, you know, he can get away. And then Jerry Lewis comes on, and to have Jerry Lewis just sing this kid's praises, I mean, just saying, this is a wonderful talent. This guy is... And and Richard Pryor going, you know, coming from you, that is the highest praise in the world. But, you know, Richard Pryor, little boy growing up in Peoria, Illinois, he might not have had as much access to the Dick Gregory's or the Godfrey Chambers or... He might have in the movie house go to see the Jerry Lewis's though, so it, you could see where he where he took that from. And the thing about that particular clip, it shows the good and the bad of Jerry Lewis. Yeah, all in one segment, because Richard Pryor is fawning over Jerry Lewis for reasons Tony just explained. Because in 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 a lot of ways, his movie saved his life. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, that was his escape. He yeah. he grew up in a brothel. Yeah. His grandma was the madam. And on the one hand, you know, Jerry Lewis likes Richard Pryor, but because he's Jerry Lewis, he kind of says it in a very off-putting way. You Mm -hmm. can understand why Jerry Lewis is such a polarizing figure. Mm -hmm. I think Jerry Lewis was often threatened that, uh, you know, there's only room in this world for one Jerry Lewis. So he can compliment your skill, but to a point. Yeah. When I, when Jerry Lewis had a short-lived talk show, 
around the time that Merv Griffin was ending. And he had a syndicate. He had Joe Piscopo on, and Joe Piscopo did a little bit of the Sinatra. And then jokingly, Joe says, "You know the guy. Does is he okay with all of this?" You no, know, yeah, yeah. And, and Jerry, Jerry was Jerry Lewis did not like to be upstaged. Yeah, and but he invited I mean, Joe I mean, and no, Joe Piscopo. Nobody, did a like, great, nobody yeah. likes to be upstaged, yeah. but Jer- Jerry could be very vindictive about yeah. that. But Jerry Lewis did concede. Joe Piscopo did a very good Jerry yeah. Lewis, and it was more like the MDA telethon host Jerry Lewis, yeah. not the nutty professor Jerry Lewis or the Dean Martins, which Joe Piscopo did all three very, very well. Or the ABC variety show got canceled after 13 weeks and became very vindictive on the air, Jerry Je- Lewis. That Jerry Lewis. But Joe Piscopo nailed it, and I don't think that Jerry Lewis ever had an issue with because he did it so well. yeah. yeah. But when he asked about Sinatra, he said, no, Frank respects talent. You know, and it was like, you know, Jerry Lewis could have said whatever he wanted, you know, on that subject. But the fact that he had Joe Piscopo on and Joe Piscopo did do such a a good Jerry Lewis impression. You want to see George Clooney with a mullet? Oh, my goodness. But uh, I'm showing Donna the back of the um, MPI box set. Oh, that's frightening. Yes. Yeah, that was his Facts of Life era. <laughs> oh. <laughs> to look at that. Glad but, he grew out of it. But yes. uh, Merv also created uh, Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. Mm-hmm. Which is what people, I mean, well, to his credit, because they're both still on the air today, but it's, you, it's easy to forget his variety show because of the success uh, of yeah, Wheel because of Fortune. G- Merv was still around, live, kicking, for a long time after the show ended, but People knew him as the guy who created this. And I remember seeing a couple of times on Wheel of Fortune, especially, because Pat Sajak did retire once, and Merv Griffin came on to kind of commemorate the retirement. And uh, also, uh, he was replaced briefly by a football player named Rolf Vernerska, Vern- who, who used to kick, for, who, he was the kicker for the uh, yeah. San Diego Chargers. Very charming guy, but just didn't have it, you know, ultimately. He was, a, as, as, as a game show host, he was a good kicker. He was a good kicker. <laughs> but he, he would sometimes appear, you know, a milestone show or something, he would come on. So people knew about that. He also, you know, it was his idea for the Jeopardy theme, the idea that you don't have questions, you have to... You, you are given the answers, and, you, and the contestants have to come up with the question. He wrote the thinking music. Yeah. And he loved playing Hangman, yeah. during the, which makes sense. You know, you're, you're working on a set, something like that. You can't really get into something that's too heavy or too involved. But hang, Hangman, you can put down and pick up. And, and, he, and you, know, you look at Hangman, that's the blueprint for Wheel of Fortune. And uh, you just have you know, some random element there that determines how much money. But I remember when Merv left, which was uh, the summer of 1986, uh, it was right on the heels of the announcement that Joan Rivers is leaving The Tonight Show to get her own show on the Fox network. Locally, Merv was on the Fox affiliate, Channel 11, and so Joan would be pretty much uh, filling that void, but not very long after. No. And it was, you know, in show business, this was, you know, kind of a sad end of an era. A lot of comedians, including Jay Leno, did a lot of time with Merv before they became, you know, a regular on Johnny's Tonight Show. In fact, what uh, Greg Greg talked about this um, on the DVD segment. One of the extra features of the MPI box set is there's a clip of Merv with Jay Leno about how to – how to how to schmooze with the guest and you know you, and 
and he's, he's even teaching him how to say, you got to say something like, ooh. And he's, he's teaching him how to yeah. say, ooh. ooh. <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, and, and Jay will give, you know, obviously Jay and Dave are going to give so much credit to Johnny Carson. Yeah. Because they owe so much to Johnny Carson. But you can see that, you know, both of them owe a lot to Merv Griffin, too, just to give them the time, you know, to get them on the show. We'll continue our look at this week in TV history at the end of our second hour. We hope you'll stay tuned for that. In the meantime, we'll take a quick time out. Then Basil Hoffman will join us when we come back for hour number two of TV Confidential. Stay with us. If you haven't been listening to TV Confidential, this is who you're missing. Linda Day George. Diane Cannon. Donna Mills. Richard Benjamin. Michael Bell. Joan Van Ark. Thank you so much, Joan. I, I really appreciate this. I hope we'll have a chance to chat again. Well, I hope so, too. And let me tell you, bravo to you. Kudos for doing your homework. That's all I got to say. Thank you. Hugs. That's TV Confidential. Every week on this station and every day online at televisionconfidential.com. Hello and welcome back to the Ronnie Deutsch Tax Program. On the line is Paul from California. Hi, Paul. What's your tax problem today? Hi, Ronnie. Love your show. Listen, I've got a big problem. You see, my paycheck was garnished last week. I'm only getting half the normal amount. To make matters worse, the IRS froze my bank account. Listen, I'm embarrassed and scared. I need some help. Listen, Paul, you don't need to feel embarrassed. You just need some tax help. And the great news is the IRS has some unbelievable programs that can eliminate your tax debt so you don't have to worry about having your paycheck garnished or your bank levied. Doesn't that sound great? It sure does, Ronnie. Then do yourself a huge favor and get a free consultation right now and tell them the tax lady sent you. 855-717-6901-855-717-6901-855-717-6901-855-717-6901-855-717-6901-855-717-6901-855-717-6901-855-717-6901-855-717-6901-855-717-6901-855-717-6901-855-717-6901-855-717-6901-855-717-6901-855-
TV Confidential or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.